0: Hey, Road Trippers, you have indeed reached Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico. But before we can take off on this week's road trip, we need to fill up the tank, which is code for pay the bills, which is code for run the commercials for the folks who are enabling us to go on these agave road trips. So sit back and Chava and I will circle back to you in a second. This week on Meat and 3, we head into the second part of our mini-series on global trade, where we talk about all things sweet, from chocolate and sugarcane to the cultural festival that accompanied the growth of the date industry in the U.S. They're using
1: this romance and fantasy to say, dates are exotic and you should consume them.
0: I like to think of the food that we eat as archaeological artifacts, in part because the history of humanity is in the stands in your produce market.
1: It's not like other foods.
0: We have very, like, personal feelings about chocolate. Tune in to Meet in Three, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of Agave Road Trip is brought to you by Mezcal. Amaras. Mezcal Amaras is a company built through love, love for the sun, the land and the people who work it, and most of all love for Mexico and its sacred plant the agave. Now strap yourselves in for another episode of Agave Road Trip. <laughs> I am Lou Bank. And I am Chava Perivan. And this is Agave Road Trip, the podcast that teaches gringo bartenders about agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. So, Lou, I
1: was thinking in our last episode, we were just talking about the skills development of a lot of the children that are now learning how to make agave spirits. And I couldn't but think about how is agave is going to look in the future? <laughs> how do you imagine your futuristic mezcal? And by futuristic, I think you and I agree that we're not imagining more stainless steel applications or computers. We're thinking about something that usually people do not put in their minds when they think about futuristic stuff.
0: Well, you know, I, I, actually, I actually think of all of that. Like, I, I absolutely think that we're going to see a lot more of these um, uh, super industrial distilleries making mezcal. Absolutely. Without question. That is part of the future. I also would like to imagine that I'll be able to order things from rural Mexico and they will be lifted up by a tiny little bot that will fly all the way from, (laughs) right? Fly all the way from, from let's say Durango and just deliver me the bottle that I want at the moment. But I think the more relevant point and the one that you're actually trying to get to is what does the world look like in these rural communities um, with these families? Yes. Yes. And also innovations-wise or
1: changes-wise, which are gonna be the real important ones to make flavors that are gonna blow our minds in fifty years, sixty years? What are the things if we take beauty and deliciousness our criteria, which are gonna be the innovations that might do more delicious, different uh Agave
0: spirits. God, you know, it's it's funny. So okay, so I'm I'm going to go down that path, but then I'm going to drag you down the path I want to go on. So so okay, but, but, yeah. <laughs> but but first, you know, so so when when I was uh, down in Oaxaca like a year and a half, 2 years ago, um uh some friends taught taught me, took me to meet Anaceto Garcia in Miahuatlán and He was doing something and he's not a young cat, right? He's got great grandchildren, Um, but he was using the pancas, the leaves, uh, in order to, uh, to distill. He was fermenting and distilling the leaves of the agave, even though you always hear it's just the heart. And here's an old guy who found a new trick. And I think that he found it because he was running out of agave. He had to use every sugar source he could find. And that left him with pancas. That left him with leaves. Yes. And
1: I also think that, and you were saying this in the last episode, that usually you prefer the spirits that are made by the son of the master distillers that, or the palenqueros or the maestros mezcaleros that you really admire. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of that has to do with that these kids, their palate, their interests, their connection to the world is extremely different to their parents. Mm-hmm. Like my dad, uh, and I think like I can relate that in many ways, I, like my dad cannot turn on a computer. There's so many things that I cannot talk with my dad, even from a static point of, or perspective, because he just, he just didn't grow around that. His childhood experience was so different. So you have all these kids that have a different appreciation of the world and therefore a different palate and a different understanding of what might taste good or not. And let's just say they have different imaginations and they will apply their imaginations in different ways while making
0: these spirits. Oh, God. And that's such a, it's like, it's a taffy pull that you're talking about, right? Like, we, we want to protect, we want. <laughs> and, it, and it's accurate to say that. We want to protect the cultural heritage as though it's our culture to protect. And it's not. That's like, that's sarcasm for anybody who doesn't get sarcasm without a little smiley face after it. <laughs> um, but But at what point does the innovation actually... Turn away from the cultural heritage. Well, here's like
1: I'll put an I'll, I'll, I'll make an example of this that I that I've been thinking yeah. for a while. Don't steal this idea from me. You. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it's like something super basic. Say, in clay distillation, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of the ceramicists of Oaxaca have been evolving their techniques drastically in the last 20 years, 15 years. They have better kilns. Mm -hmm. They understand better how to mix their Uh, own clays. They understand better even glazes. So I imagine that if some mezcal producer were to see that development and do custom formulations in the bodies, in even the clay type, in the glazes that you can use for the steel, you can come up with very different flavor profiles. And I'm not saying sell hmm. any computer or anything. It's take advantage of the other innovations that are happening in
0: the crafts that are around. Mr. I, you know, it's it's an interesting way to put that. And and I think the uh, the relevance that I find in that statement is, I I'm not even sure that I would call it innovations so much as a better understanding of the process. Right? Like if if you're if you're learning how to better make clay pots, and you understand that that when you heat the clay pot uh, the, and, and the uh, alcohol inside is forced out in a different way, that you get a different result. Like, is that innovation or is that just the honing of technique over multiple generations? It's this
1: alcohol... I call it innovation. I mean, I know innovation. And this is so irritating for me because innovation is usually used or reserved for the Silicon Valley looking things. And I think that's one of the biggest thefts that that context has made to human intelligence. So suddenly all that better understanding of techniques cannot use these words that are reserved for higher technology. And I think that's very unfair. Like I think this is very high technology.
0: <laughs> well, I don't think there's fair and unfair. I think there's just reality. But I, I I think to your point, um, there's no reason that you can't better understand and therefore better uh utilize the 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 tools that we've been using that they've been using for hundreds of years you don't have to move away from the integration of the tool and your 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 five senses and your your human skills there you go i think that's the relevant point for me is once you replace the humanity once you replace the human skills with the tool i think that's where you start to depart from tradition Mm, I, I think that's interesting.
1: And I think we are extremely complex machinery, we humans, right? And our perceptions are extremely complex machinery. And I, I think, yes, like I think the moment where the imagination of a maker is disattached of the product, that your imagination, your senses, your understanding cannot be applied to take decisions on the product, that you're basically obeying to the to the to the tool and the limitations of the tool to take all your decisions. Huh that's where, uh, like, I think that's computers, you know, like you can do yeah, yeah, only yeah. the, and, and they have extremely uh strict boundaries. And I think what's really interesting about the craft context and agave spirits in particular, are that the borders between the human interaction and breaking a lot of the rules that were established before you got there, it's a little bit more, it's more fluent than the than in the heavier technology, it's harder to change very technologically
0: intensive processes. Huh. Huh, huh, huh. Interesting, you know. I'll tell you, for me, I don't get nearly as excited. I don't get excited at all thinking about what I'm going to be <laughs> drinking in the future. If I'm honest, <laughs> I really don't. Like, I, 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 I want to protect uh, these communities who are making things in this way, um, and and that's the delicious stuff that I enjoy drinking. But honestly, if they followed a path that took them away from making these spirits, right, I, I if it took them instead in a path that uh, helped figure out better solutions to water insecurity and food insecurity and climate change, uh, I, I, I'd, I'd be just as happy. Mm. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I like drinking, but I, th- you know, I think <laughs> there are far more important applications of this multi generational wisdom than just how to make more delicious spirits. I think it, they almost you're almost ghettoizing. You're not even ghettoizing. I think that you end up losing the value when you think about it in such a small way as how can you make more delicious booze?
1: Yes, but I think, I mean, I understand why would you say that? Because it feels like very indulgent, very like, I just want to have some delicious stuff. But I think they might be connected. I think that a community that has the capacity and the pride on making some really delicious spirits can also have the wheel and the tools to have a better social structure. Mm. I'm saying like a very, I, I guess, risky argument here. But I think if you have a community of people that are very happy and proud of what they do, you have a community that can unite to do like more relevant stuff like water security and their
0: environmental change. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree 100%. I think the bigger question is, kind of goes back to to what you were saying about uh, technology, uh, quote-unquote, stealing the idea of, uh, how'd you use it? How'd you phrase it, advancement? Well, yeah, like Silicon Valley and those guys have said that their technology
1: or their te- technological innovations are the only ways to advance humanity for
0: progress, let's say. Right, right, right. So how do you, how do you get the world... And maybe this, this pandemic that has kept us separated is the answer, but how do you get the world to sit up and take notice that these communities are doing more than just making amazing spirits by using these ancient techniques, that that by using their five senses and, and things, the skills that they've developed um, over multiple generations, they've also developed solutions to problems that we're still struggling with in the, quote-unquote, developed world. Exactly. And I think that
1: that's why I'm so excited about the future of agave spirits. I really, really, really want to see if we're lucky and if we have more people that love the things that we love and a lot of the heritage is kept. I think that in a hundred years, the agave spirits are going to be coming out of their cool, not only be delicious, but also have great impact in the communities where they're made.
0: And we can also maybe have a Twinkie Pachuga at that point. Ay, no. <laughs> okay, and I think we're going to call that a wrap, if you, unless you've got something funnier to end with than Twinkie Pachuga. No, I'm very happy with this. Okay. Adios. Hang on, road trippers, we're not done yet. We've got an episode of Chava and Lou's Chat Fest coming up. Mescal is supporting this episode of Agave Road Trip. Mescal Cupriata is an exotic elixir crafted in the subtropical deciduous forests of Guerrero under a challenging atmosphere. The 13-year-old agave cupriata grows under a humid subtropical climate at an altitude of 1,000 to 1,500 meters above sea level. It belongs to a small group of agaves that do not produce offsprings, what we would call in Spanish iuelos, and they can only be grown from the seed, hence the importance of protecting the strongest and healthiest mother agaves, allowing them to reproduce in their own time and space. Amaras cupriata is a bridgeway to a range of possibilities in flavors and aromas that the biodiversity of agaves can offer. It sets in motion a journey into a universe of intricate flavors deriving from the richness in the different species of wild agaves. It is considered to be the flip side of the agave espadine, carrying richer characteristics and bringing to life unusual herbaceous notes that take you on an excursion into the forests of Guerrero. You can enjoy neat, Or enjoy it in cocktails, for example, their Cupriatini, Cupriata Twist, or the Abuela's Remedy, all created by Mescalamaras. Check those recipes out at their website, mescalamaras.com. This is Lou Beck. This is Chava Periban. And this is Chava's Chat Fest. We're going to chat you up for three solid minutes about the things you love to chat about. This is the podcast within a podcast that has nothing to do with agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico, unless it does, as it does in the case of this chat fest, Chava. What is it going to be about, Lou? I'm scared now. Okay, so a few years ago, there was a story that hit the news about um, uh, El Chapo, had a bunch of his drugs withheld by uh, by ISIS fighters so the the drugs were leaving I know the drugs. (laughs) You don't remember this? Uh, Like, please entertain me. Yeah. I have no idea what you're. Yeah. Okay. So again, I'm like, we could really, we should have looked it up before we started this chat fest, but um, there's this great news story about how, um, and this this had to be during um, Obama, because it was that long ago um, during Obama's presidency where, uh, and I guess El Chapo was still free um, <laughs> he's all, he has
1: always, he's free still, Lou. He's like LBs. He's just in an Island, but whatever.
0: <laughs> well, so the, the, um, the ISIS, um, uh, uh, terrorists had stopped some of the, the freighters that were carrying the poppies from the Middle East, from, <laughs> uh, from Afghanistan, maybe, I don't know. Um, and prevented them from bringing the drugs to Mexico. And El Chapo was threatening, in the news, was threatening the ISIS fighters. And it was this amazing story that everybody was excited about. It was like, where is that movie? Where is oh. that movie?
1: Well, no, 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 no. It's because uh, you have to prioritize with rock-dealing stories in Mexico. So I, 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 I think <laughs> – You've got yeah. so many options. Yeah, like, you know, I, I I don't usually scroll the Netflix thing, but every time I do, I'm always, like, you know, when I was, like, I don't know, like, in the 90s, like, there was no Netflix, but everything was, like, Dawson's Creek or, like, chick flicks, right? Everything was yeah. romantic stories. Yeah, And sure. now everything is, like, natical stories. So the Dawson's <laughs> Creek of yesterday is now, like, El Chapo's different adventures. It's is the Tom of Tom and Jerry or something like that. So that's gonna come. I'm, I'm sure of that. Uh, ISIS
0: versus Chapo, right? It felt to me. It felt to me like Predator versus Alien. Like you, like right? But the real life version of Predator versus Alien, where where both sides that you're terrified of both sides. Like oh yeah, let's watch them fight for a little while. We'll just sit on the sidelines. Okay. But what? Who do you think is gonna
1: win? Who will, who will who will have won from from this uh, who won because someone won out
0: of this you know it's a good point I, I, my guess god here's the heartbreaking <laughs> part my guess is that they negotiated a truce <laughs> like wh- why hasn't the rest of the world figured out how to do that with either of those sides but but you're right like somebody somebody clearly backed down or or at least compromised uh, or you would have had this bloody battle and if there had been a bloody battle okay so i'm going to go with isis on this and i'm going to go with isis uh, not because i i you know don't love mexicans but because <laughs> because my theory is when you're fighting for religion you're going to fight harder than when you're fighting for money well, but the Mexican cartels
1: they build churches and stuff. So it's all very Yeah, intricate. But, that, if- but
0: but they do that as a way as a means to protect their income source. Oh, yeah. Not because not because it's it's religion to them. Whereas with ISIS, you know whether you you agree with the religion or not, <laughs> you know, and and this is not this is not my way my, my way of saying that uh, Islam is is a violent religion. It's not. It's you know, but but clearly their interpretation of the religion is. Okay, so do you think like if it was
1: like alien versus what do you say predator? Predator. The first, yeah. The first movie will be just like a stir-down, like a two-hour stir-down, and then the sequel will be there just like shaking hands and be like, okay guy, I gotcha. Let's like try to kill Superman
0: together. No, I think there had to have been a lot of deaths that we never heard about. Right? Mm-hmm. Like there had to have been some casualties on both sides <laughs> before they had to sit down. <laughs> Okay, like, we
1: don't, we might have to research this. Uh, I'm actually scared of researching these things in my personal computer and my work computer. But if you can send me <laughs> an encrypted cell phone from America, I, I, I can do this.
0: I, I got you covered. I'm pretty sure I can get that on eBay these days. Okay, Chida, Lou, Anything else you want to add to this? Uh, I think that's, I think that, like, you know, here's the one thing I want to add. If uh, if among our eight listeners, there is somebody who produces uh, major motion pictures, please make this film and invite us to the premiere. Okay. And we'll dress up. Uh, I can dress like El Chapo and you can dress
1: like… Uh... Uh, I'll, I'll
0: wear one of those Wiedela Coches you keep telling me to wear.
1: Uh, with la coche. With piles, Lou. With piles. That's what I meant. With piles, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, you can dress up like the
1: endangered lady that always has to be there in the movie, right? <laughs> That's right. I, <laughs> you can tie
0: me to the railroad tracks. Okay, yeah. Chava. I think it's a wrap for, for this <laughs> chat fest. Okay, Lou. Adios. Hasta pronto. This has been Agave
1: Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about Agave spirits. Your hosts are Lou Bank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Marc Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at GabrielRoadTrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc.
0: Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash network.